Are you divorcing a narcissist? Are you wondering, how do I prepare for court? What do I need to bring with me? What do I need to bring to my lawyer? How will I handle the stress on the day of the court? Will I be on the stand? Like there's so many scary questions about the big courtroom. And, you know, for me, I envisioned like Perry Mason, I'm going to be standing on the stand and, and you know, hand on the Bible, I'm going to be swearing and all of that. And it wasn't like that at all. So um, today I've got Lisa Johnson from Been There, Got Out. Uh, she's a friend of mine who is a divorce coach. And uh, we're going to talk about how to prepare for court, what's important, and um, just what you should make sure you know. So let's let's go say hi to Lisa and see what she's got to share with us today. This is Tracy Malone. I am the founder of NarcissistAbuseSupport.com. I am also the author of, I should have put this down before, Divorcing Your Narcissist. You can't make this shit up. So if you're going through a divorce with a narcissist, this book is going to help you. But right now, we're going to listen to Lisa. Hi, Lisa. Welcome back to the show. I'm so excited you're here. Oh, me too. It's always good to see you, Tracy. Yes, it is fun to see you as well. Um, before we get started, will you just please tell everyone a little bit about yourself? Because you have a company called Been There, Got Out. Tell me about that. Okay, so I am the female half of Been There, Got Out. My partner, Chris, is the male half. Um, we are high-conflict divorce coaches that specialize in legal abuse. We always say that we help anyone dealing with high conflict relationships, divorce, custody battles, and co-parenting hell have the chance of the best outcome in court and beyond. And so we do individual coaching and we also have a weekly legal abuse support group that meets on Sundays for about an hour and a half where we strategize and we also deal with some of the bigger issues because as many people in our community have children, is like how can we help raise our children when they're dealing when we're dealing with a toxic co-parent and our children are dealing with a difficult parent. Wow, that's a mouthful. Before yeah. we start and go into our topic, you just threw it out there and I'm going, I'm going to hit her back with this ball. You ready? So yeah. um, legal abuse, um, a lot of people don't know what that is. What kind of things do you guys handle? Okay, so legal abuse is basically the realities of family court for people dealing with a toxic partner or ex-partner. And that's where somebody basically weaponizes the legal system to keep this battle going after they're out of the day to the day to day. So we know that court can be very expensive. So legal abuse, having to go back to court often costs a lot of money. Um, people who engage in legal abuse, like I'll just like someone's ex, will often either do what's called vexatious litigation or frivolous litigation where they're constantly be filing motions that have no merit and you're forced to spend time and money and energy responding to them or on the flip side which is what i've dealt with for a long time is someone who does not comply with court orders so i'm forced to constantly return to court to try to get a judge to enforce those orders which we interview professionals about all the time Courts often don't just enforce orders unless it's the zillionth time that you're going back and saying, see, it's still happening. And so um, legal abuse often goes on for years. People go into court thinking I'm going to have justice immediately and it is not how it happens. Mm -hmm. I've been in the system for eight years going on nine. 
90-ish court appearances in the past few years. I've been successfully representing myself, um, mostly to save tons of money. I feel like I've saved well over a million dollars at this point. And so um, with our legal abuse support, we basically validate other people's experience, explain that divorce is a tremendous money-making industry and basically everyone profits except you and your family, um, which is unfortunate, but it's not something that can end very quickly because in America and also in a lot of other countries, people have the constitutional right to be heard. Mm -hmm. And so often a lot of time is wasted before a judge says enough. And, and again, I have a, a friend that is five years trying to get a divorce and equally as many millions of dollars in legal fees, right? And it is yeah. that same thing, just not disclosing if it is before the you're talking a post, but if it is before, like, again, this is five years of not putting in the paperwork, not doing what they said they were going to do. So this is a good representation of what it will be prior and when it's over because he's never going to go away like you said this is um a situation where um you know they would rather give all the money to a, a lawyer than one penny to you right and they do <laughs> oh good god they do you know um i i used to go to parties at my lawyer's house and um here in boulder colorado like, look oh, how close you became to your lawyer right your lawyer becomes like your best friend well, my paralegal came to my birthday party for like five years. Right. See, that's someone who's dealing with legal abuse because we get to know our people so well. And they know us. It's like, oh, okay. We know what's going on here. It's like, it is so frightening that you could be that intimate with a paralegal and lawyer because it just is relentless to keep on going and going. Right. Right. So, all right. Today we are going to talk about preparing for courts and there's so many things that people can can know about. Where do you want to start? Um, so I think you want to do whatever you can before even exiting the relationship. That's where you can save a lot of money and hopefully time and definitely energy. So um, one of the things that I am is a, a state certified domestic violence advocate, and there's something called safety planning or exit planning. And part of that includes trying to get as much documentation together before you leave or before the other person takes the stuff with them. So often it, um, if you contact a local domestic violence center or, you know, there's charts everywhere. And Tracy, I think in your new book, in your new right fairly recent book, um, there's, there's checklists of the types of things that you should look for. Um, many people in divorce have multiple accounts that you don't always know about. And often um, what a toxic partner does is hide information. So if you're not rushing out uh, you know, because of safety reasons, hopefully you have time to start gathering some of those documents together. You can get, um, well, you want to know, you know, your own bank accounts, credit card accounts, the other person's bank accounts, credit card accounts, any, oh gosh, money market funds, investments, like anything connected to money, insurance. I mean, just whatever paperwork you can think of, start gathering it together because chasing after it later when it's not going to be supplied to you is going to cost a lot more time, money, and aggravation. Yeah. And, and this is exactly what people need to hear is don't leave the house. I mean, unless it's obviously you have no choice um, unless you've gotten as much as you can, because a lot of times, and, and I'm sure for you, as it is with me, most of my clients show up and go, I don't know what we have. 
I don't know where our accounts are. We have one little joint account. He or she puts in, you know, the mortgage money or that's it. Um, and, and they don't know that there's retirement. They don't know that there's crypto. They don't know there's Bitcoin. They don't know where things are. What do you tell someone who is in that situation? You know, you're making me think of a couple of attorneys and forensics accountants that we've interviewed recently. They say there's red flags to watch for regarding hidden assets, which of course ties to paperwork. One thing is, um, if well, always, if someone's hiding their phone and hiding their passwords, which a lot of people do anyway, uh, that's something to, you know, sort of watch for. But um, if large chunks of money are being spent, try to find out where it's going. Um, if someone is making purchases that you don't know about, or well, let's see, big, big toys, let's say cars, electronics, things like that, um, that you need to make sure you have receipts and things for, because while you're still together, that's considered marital assets in most places. So you want to keep track of all that. Um, <laughs> I remember we interviewed a certified fraud examiner, and he said that people often will buy bars of gold and then they will hide them they will dig up not that everyone does this but they'll they'll hide them in the yard and a really good place that people hide things is inside a, a metal fence where you unscrew the top and drop it in because you can't um you can't detect metal because it's inside metal so so things like that keep keep your eyes peeled for if you notice on bank statements that there are cash cash things going out with rounded numbers, um, that's, that's a sign that, that um, someone's either paying an attorney or they're just taking like cash. It's not actually for an expense. Right. Because only lawyers do, there's usually tax and things. So if, if, if regular cash withdrawals are being made, like watch for that. Um, one lawyer, this was like a little bit controversial, but one lawyer that we spoke to in Michigan was saying that when someone starts buying lots of gift cards, that's some way that they're kind of keeping cash and then they can return them later. But I know we tell often domestic violence victims, start getting some gift cards together so you have cash. So it goes both ways. Uh, let me think what else. Oh gosh, there's there's so many. There's so many things to watch for. Basically start start looking for money as it's, it's leaving. People um, say, oh, I have to loan my friends some money and then it's that. Oh, another big one is they start um, paying ahead on their taxes. So it looks like an expense, but then later they get the refund. So transferring money to children's bank accounts so that, because often on financial affidavits, I mean, nobody really checks like the kids accounts or you don't have to even report that, but there's a whole bunch of little red flags. Just, just keep an eye and know that in, abusive relationships, financial abuse takes place in 99%. Oh, here's another one that, that happened to me. So um, sometimes your, your partner or your ex will have mail sent to different locations. Mm. Mine used to have stuff sent to his sister's house and say, oh, it's because we do business together. And there are all kinds of things that, that I didn't know about. Wow. Jesus. Yeah. yeah. I mean, that's just off the top of my head. There's a lot more, but... <laughs> They're, I mean, again, the, the, they're infinite. I've never heard the whole gold bar in the fence, and I might look at fences differently now that I drive. Right? 
um, you know, one of the things you mentioned, and, and I was writing it down is, you know, you said, keep track of the larger expenses. And again, this is a person who doesn't even see the statements. But what I tell people is when you get them, if and when they do disclose them and send them eventually, that's where you pull over, you just go through every line. And you're like, okay, I know. And then this happened to me in the end was my husband, right before we got it, right before he asked for a divorce, we had a Christmas and he bought himself a $10,000 camera. He bought me a $5,000 camera and he bought my son a $5,000 camera. I was the one doing the books. Mm -hmm. Where did that come from? Like, again, there's secret stuff because Tracy gets the money, goes in, Tracy pays the bills, does all the work. But here was an opportunity. I'm like, well, where did you get the money for these things? I said it right there under the Christmas tree. And he's like, oh, don't you worry. But then comes the divorce a few months later. That was a flag for me to go when he sends in and brings his statements, where the hell are those cameras? So that's $20,000 that we need to know what account it came from, because I'm sorry, you don't have, even if you have cash hidden, which is a really good chance he did from his family, but even if you have cash, you can't just like order it online at Amazon with cash, right? It's going to some credit card, some bank account. Don't forget those those PayPal statements. A lot of people will hire Venmo, Venmo PayPal. Cash apps. Just yeah. see where those expenses are. But if if there's been a big purchase or something that, you know, you know, we just got a new dishwasher and then you pawn over all of the, the statements, you're like, no, the dishwasher's not on here. That's strange. Mm -hmm. how you have a but where and that's where you start to you know follow the money in many ways is to look at where are those purchases that we we know of like there's a million that you're not going to know of but when you know of something like that that's the first flag to start looking for something like that and then demanding the accountability of where that money came from Right. And you made me think of another one. Um, so we know that a lot of our exes tend to be serial cheaters and also have affairs where they will spend large amounts of money on the other person while they're still married. I know my divorce attorney said, if you can find receipts that show all those expenses, like that's, that's marital assets. And that also come, even though it's spent, it comes po possibly as a credit to you when you're dividing assets because oh. they shouldn't have done that. Absolutely. Again, weird hotels and, and weird trips and things like that. Um, those do come back to you if you do, you know, it, and, and that's for sure. You have oh, to. You just reminded me of another one because one of our clients is dealing with airline points. Oh, Look at the airline points. Somebody we know's ex used huge amounts of airline points to pay for things that shouldn't have been paid for with them. And our client was like, oh, wait a second, that counted as this much money, like that, I get half of that too. Yeah, yeah, and I, I've had a client with their their spouse having a million airline miles and it gets left off the table, mm -hmm. you know? And again, it's sort of like they, they, they almost hoard them and that's money. Like, I don't know if it's a dollar per, per airline point, but I know it could buy you a lot of stuff. So a million is worth a lot of stuff. And again, sometimes that's the value of what your house might have been, right? Right, so yeah. Don't forget those kind of things as you're sitting there looking for where the money is.
Right. So checklists can be really helpful because it's the whole thing is overwhelming. Uh But this part, it it becomes like another job that you have to do. Right. Right. Absolutely. And and the financial affidavit is probably the least fun thing that has to do. And, And a lot of people will do it because, you know, our cases last for way longer than normal divorces. It could be four years, five years. Right. And then the, the financials are, are old and now they've got to get them again. And you're going to fight for six months to try to get the newer files. Right. So, so it is, is just not making any decisions. I think before you know what's on the table, I hate to hear people are going to mediation, but we don't, I don't know what we have. He hasn't given any paperwork yet. I'm like, then don't go to mediation. Like, what are you going to mediate? I'll give you this because I'm willing to admit that I have that little tiny piece of pie. You don't know what you're playing with. So it's very difficult to have people go to court without the knowledge of the actual financials, the full. And and once again, you reminded me, so I did mediation. My ex, you know, we were together for 20 years, married for almost 18. And it was like, I I thought this was going to be amicable. I thought it would be quick and definitely way cheaper than it was. But um, my ex would show up to every mediation with a blank legal pad. So I had all my stuff together and every time a blank legal pad. So we got nowhere with financial. We did luckily get the parenting plan done. Um, But it was like, he just kept saying, well, you know what I have, you know what I have. Oh no, (laughs) not at all. So you ended up having to go to court. Well, no, we ended up settling at the last second right before court, which is what happens a lot. Um, but we had to sort of put, put things together. I did ha- This is something really important that we share with a lot of our clients. My lawyer was so smart because he recognized from the consult that this was going to be a hard one, even when I had no idea. And so he was very careful, number one, to draw up the agreements and parenting plans himself because he said, I don't want the other side doing it. They're, they mess things up. I want to be the one to do it. And I said, but I have, then I have to pay you more. He's like, believe me, it's worth it. And thank God that he did it. One of the protective clauses that he put in was when we finally get, got to a number with alimony and child support, my ex had a number of properties that had been in his family for a while. He kept putting that he got zero rent. We knew that wasn't true. He, but we, we also know that court doesn't punish anyone for perjury. So even though we knew that this was false, he just kept saying zero, zero, zero. So the numbers were based only on his job, his regular income, not the rental income. So the protective language that my lawyer put in was these numbers, the alimony and child support numbers in this agreement are based only on his income from his job. If it is ever determined that there has been rental agreement, then that shall, not may, shall, so it signaled to the court, this is what has to happen. That shall constitute a significant change in circumstance, which means that we can modify it. And that usually modifications can be very difficult to get, but I was able pro se, you know, self-representing to go in with my records. I had some time after the divorce was over to get my stuff together again and my strength and energy um, to go back. And I was able to get uh, modifications because I was able to prove that there had been fraud, that he hadn't been honest, that there always was rental income. And the judge was, you know, from that protective language, the judge signaled, even though his lawyer fought it really hard, nope, I have to follow the language here that you agreed to. If we find out there's rental income, and there always has been, then this number goes up. Yeah. So very satisfying. In the next five years, fighting to get that. (laughs) 
it, yeah, well, it took me four years to get it. I just got it. I just got a chunk of it, um, I think, a month ago. Nice. Oh, yeah. It's crazy, right? So one of the things that you just reminded me of, we're like bouncing our, you reminded me of this. Right? <laughs> but one of the things that, 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 you know, if you've got someone and a lot of uh, narcissists, a lot of high conflict people will lower their income for the divorce. You know, just my first- Tracy, lady. all, all, not a lot. Yeah, all I say, oh, yes, you're right. <laughs> mine, mine quit his $300,000 job and went, I'm too upset to work. And I'm like, really? Right. How'd your girlfriend feel about that? You know, right. but um, when you're sitting in a situation where, where their, their income doesn't seem like, no, this is our tax returns before this is, this doesn't seem right. You know, they, they lost 50% of their income or whatever. You can actually have your lawyers put things into the agreement that say, we get to reevaluate this every year every two years whatever you guys can settle on and therefore i get a copy of your taxes every year to complete this evaluation so you're keeping on them so that you know you're just protecting yourself if they played this game this is a card you get and if they still have that hidden money it doesn't go in their taxes that's fine but if it if their income goes back up then you can reevaluate it and it would be redefined so that you don't stay at that lower i got no money thing yeah you know it's interesting that you bring that up because that's something that happens a lot but my lawyer for my case said i don't want you guys to do that because i don't want him to have your tax returns mm -hmm. this guy is going to keep you in court as long as possible if you have to give him your tax returns that means he has more power and control over you mm -hmm. so let's not do it at all but even though we don't have that written in the agreement whenever we go back to court or when we've been to court the tax returns have are part of discovery the discovery process so whenever there's some financial issue like with our children's college he has to produce them anyway okay so, so i kind of like that because i like not having to deal with the uh our intimate financial details and i'm sort of like just you go on with your life and i'll go on with mine even though we're still Right. stuff with court stuff right. and and you've fortunately or not fortunately but you've been back to court so that you do get that discovery and you are able to see these things and um you know some people won't know because they might not be going back to court but suddenly they just bought a million dollar house and you're sitting in a shack there's right. something going on here that the tax returns would really help produce right right but even but again like even if they don't have that clause written in they can still go back for a modification and ask for the tax returns absolutely absolutely so there's there's ways that they can do that but one or the other way people should know that you know it's not over till the fat lady sings and gives the tax <laughs> Just, right right yeah yeah. Um, all right. So let's talk about preparing for court. Like what advice do you give them when you they're going into court? Because that's Okay, so you're talking without a lawyer or with a lawyer? With a lawyer, just like how to keep themselves, you know, emotionally not triggered because they're lying on the stand. They're not doing what they should have done and you're sitting there in your chair with your lawyer and you're freaking out because they're lying. I never did that. How do you prepare people emotionally to, to get through the door of the of the courtroom? Well, we, you know, we're New Yorkers, even though I live in Connecticut right over the border, I'm still New Yorker. We call it the harsh New York reality check. So people are always like, okay, but they'll be on a call, a first call this, and they're like, but you don't understand. I just want to be done with this. I just want to finish it. I'm like, yeah, like 
we all do. Like all of us feel the same. No, nobody's enjoying this. So we sort of say this, this situation is not going to be fast. Mm -hmm. And when you go back to court, it's opening the whole can of worms all, all over again. If you're going back to court for custody, just because you're asking for something, may, the other side is probably going to ask for something too. Don't assume that you're just going to be on the offensive all the time. They're going to make your life miserable. My lawyer called it going back into the muck. Like, are you sure you want to go back into the muck? So we always say if there's any way to avoid going back to court, try to do that. Because when you're in court, it's in everybody else's hands. If there's any possibility of mediating or doing strategic communication or whatever to keep it out of court, that's, that's number one. Okay, so number two, it's so important to have a lawyer that um, understands what they're dealing with. And I'm not just talking about, oh, they understand narcissism. Like when I interviewed one of the forensic investigators the other week, she was saying, if you're dealing with somebody, so say your ex has all, all these businesses and stuff and there's all this money, you want to have a lawyer who's, who's skilled at dealing with people with complex business issues. You know, so, so make sure whatever the issue is you're dealing with, you find somebody who's dealt with it often so that they're really comfortable with it. Mm -hmm. um, in terms of how people behave in court, lawyers lie in court all the time. So be ready for that. They're going to bully you no matter what. Be ready for all kinds of false allegations and understand that you don't need to address every allegation. And, when you're, and your lawyer is not addressing every allegation because judges generally don't like just fighting back and forth over nonsense. And so, you know, time is money and that's why maybe your lawyer is just staying quiet and, and focusing on the other issues. But there's so many things. I mean, one of the predictable things is it's going to be long. It's going to be painful. It's going to be really uh, traumatic to be back in court. Court itself, the experience is its own trauma for you, for victims, for toxic people. They love it most of the time. It's an opportunity for them to have a new audience to try to convince experts that they're the victim and you know everybody has to believe them. And they often tend to do, we tell our clients this too, they often tend to do well in court because they're pathological liars who don't have a conscience and they've been skilled at that. They, they've been doing this for a long time. Our people are the ones who are emotional, terrified, worried about protecting themselves and the safety of their kids. So one of the things we work with people on is being as calm as possible. But I hate when someone tells me to calm down because that does nothing except irritate me. So <laughs> What we do to help our clients is we get them really focused and organized with their documentation. We call it targeted documentation. Like, let's stay focused on whatever issue you're dealing with because that'll help you know that'll help you know what to 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 talk about when they're deflecting with all kinds of other nonsense. But also, when you have an attorney, you can give your attorney the information they need instead of like, and here's all the stuff about the abuse. I know it's a custody thing, but here's all the because then the attorney's going to have to read it. They don't want to read it. It's going to cost you a lot more money and time, and it's just not worth it. So it's knowing what's relevant and right, right, we have so much information, and of course, we are telling people document, 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 and then they throw it to the lawyer. And thank you, twenty thousand dollars later, they read it and said, "Yeah, we could use this part." Right. So, right. so it is. I think about learning what your goals are. Exactly. And then attacking that. So if your goal is to get more parenting time, then we bring evidence about 
their lack of parenting or they don't show up or you know the days they miss so you you start to have those those things matter because you're going after more custody so you really have to prove the other parent you know somehow less than right 50. And, so, you know, and to do that you need to know what custody factors matter so you it can't just be what you think it has to tie it to the language of the law and if you have a lawyer hopefully they'll be able to do that for you exactly so there, there's so many different avenues that people could go down here but um it is it is knowing what to defend knowing what to walk away from um I, I know that i fought so many battles that shouldn't have even been it didn't matter but i'm being called a thief and i'm being called a this and i'm being called a that and i'm like no. you know and here's the proof and here's my five thousand pages i never once said if you're accusing me of being a thief how would you think I'm a thief if you've never even produced one statement? Like I never thought of going, show us where I stole something, but I sat there and defended and defended and defended, right? And so it is about trusting your lawyer and, and doing what is in line with what your goals are. Again, child things, we need proof of, of bad parenting you know if it's for money and you know okay we've got this 75 inch tv that it doesn't appear to be in the records we're still looking for these you know accounts and things like that you're bringing in the questions to the judge so if your you know spouse has not disclosed the proper stuff you're bringing that in to go here's the evidence of something we need because you make him give it to us or make her give it to us right so it's it's aligning with your goals that's what you bring to the courtroom. Right. And I, of course, thought of another thing as you were talking, because that's how we work. Um, another thing to be really um, conscious of is that family court, you will never get to, you won't have the time to speak. So don't think you're going to go in there and share your story and the judge is going to be sympathetic. Doesn't happen. You might get three to five minutes tops to talk, maybe depending on what kind of trial it is. So you're, and a judge doesn't want to hear your story. A judge isn't going to be sympathetic um, overtly because they are not allowed to show any bias because then the other side could do an appeal. Um, so you just, you, you just have to realize that you are a business transaction to the other lawyer, your own lawyer, and to, to a judge. They want to get you in there and out of there as quickly as possible. They want to see that you've already tried to work things out yourself. So before you just go ahead and file a motion, you should probably start communicating with your ex to say, I've already tried. Here's what I've done. Your Honor, we're here just because we couldn't work it out. I'm, you know, I'm sorry to waste the court's time and resources, but it had to be done. Exactly. Exactly. Well, has, is there anything that we missed that you wanted to share with the group today? <laughs> There's always, as soon as we finish, I'm going to have loads more, but no, I mean, you ask me a question, I'll think of something. Okay. Yeah. Well, I think, I think we've covered it today. I think this has been really helpful. I hope that people get this, um, you know, just gather your stuff, believe your lawyer, um, don't give up hope for sure. And, um, you know, this will end, even if it's six years later, like yours is, um, they, they do eventually end, but there's things you can do to protect the children, protect the parenting, get more of that in writing. Don't just go, well, they're only four. I don't really want to think about what they're going to need for a phone someday. Mm. You know, like plan for the future. That's the most important thing because so many people just go, I got a four-year-old. Let's just 
talk about daycare and, and I'll go home. No, you're no you're, four year old means you have 14 more years in court. Probably. Exactly. Every single detail, like they need braces. I'm not paying for that. So oh, back, yeah. in court, back in court. Right. So the more you can nail down the beforehand and get into that, the less post divorce abuse you will have. And that includes the legal stuff because if, you've already got an answer for when we've agreed on paying for braces, you don't go back to court for it, right? Right, but paper trails for everything are so important. We always say no undocumented communication. Yeah, absolutely. It is such an important part and people are like, but my lawyer doesn't even want them. Okay, but if he does, you've got them, right? Like right. if we say, I need evidence for this, I've got that. You know, instead of here's 42,000 papers, go figure it out that's overwhelming and they're going to miss the important parts and then not know what they have to do so don't overwhelm the lawyer with too much of the texts and those things until they you say i've got these tell me when you need them right and have them organized and ready when you give it to them absolutely absolutely well thank you so much for coming here today lisa i really appreciate you sharing all your knowledge with us oh my pleasure anytime tracy wasn't that great? I love Lisa. She's such a sweet friend of mine and brilliant and working in this, this arena. She has helped so many people and her advice is solid guys. Start to tap in to let go of the fear of what's going to happen in court and what I need to do and how do I find the money if I don't know where it is. All right, so this is Tracy Malone. I will see you next time. If you like this video, please give it a, a, a thumbs up down there and subscribe to my channel. Um, when you put the little thumbs up, then YouTube knows, oh, this is a good video. And then they share it with other people, which helps me get it out to more people. So thank you all for coming here today and I will see you again next time.